Um, welcome to Church Project. We're a gathering of people. We're a church. Uh, we love Jesus. We love the mission of Jesus in this world, and we want to live that out together. Relax. It's all good, because we're also a project. We're, we're just an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended church to be. Listen, I, I, wasn't, I haven't lived tomorrow yet. Neither have you. And so together, we're figuring out how to do life and how to, how to do it with a biblical standard. And so the, what, the things that we do at Church Project, we do really well. We do our Sunday gatherings, but we call them nothing more than a collection of our house churches. We have house churches that meet throughout the week, and you can find those locations on the website. But the house church, I think, is one of the most important things that we do. Like, that's our, that's our dialogue. That's where we get to talk. That's where we get to talk about Scripture and get to know each other. So I would encourage everyone to be part of, of our house churches. And then the other thing that we do at Church Project is ministry partnerships. And so we financially and relationally partner with effective ministries for the cause of Christ. And so at Church Project, if you tithe anything, it goes to a portion of it to some of our ministry partnerships. And we also give you a lot of opportunities to partner relationally with our ministry partnerships as well. So we're going to highlight a ministry partnership this morning here in a little bit. Uh, but we're going to jump into the message today. If you have been coming, you know we're in the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 16, verses 35 through 40. You can uh, get out your phones and open up the U version. And on U version, you can follow along. I'm not sure our, our notes for this week made it. You can look and search and see if they're there. Um, also, if you're new to Church Project and you're not getting our, our email or information, just go to our website, which is churchprojectgreeley.org, and you can do that now. That's fine. Scroll down to the bottom and give us your email address, and we'll send you information as to everything that's going on at Church Project. Hey, we're a small family, and we're trying to figure out how to do this together. So we invite you to be part of everything that we have going on. So um, my dog loves walking in the park. And I go multiple times a day in the morning. We usually see the sunrise. It's beautiful. I'm starting to have to wear a hoodie now, though. I love fall. This is amazing. I'm the weird guy with shorts on, maybe a little too short. That's right. Bounce your eyes. And then I, then I have a hoodie on. I'm getting, I'm getting nice and warm. And my dog loves the walk. The only part of the walk that he doesn't like is putting his head through this. Do you have one of these? You know what these is? This looks like a weird contraption. Like, we sit at the front door, I have this code word, and it's really weird. Here's my code word, go get mama. If I say go get mama, he gets all pumped. Like, he knows it's walk time. I don't know why and how that came about. So I'll say, go get mama. And, and then I go and get this, and I put this here. And for the next two minutes, I refuse to do this to him. I refuse to put his head through it. So for the next two minutes, I sit there, and I'm like, come on, buddy. Like, put your head in here. And eventually, he'll be like, He'll put his head in, and I quickly log it up, and, and then we go on and, and start walking. And yes, Ryan, these are convenience bags. Wherever Ryan's at, these are convenience bags. So when uh, Max puts his natural deposits in the ground, we can pick them up. So I'm a good owner. There you go. But during our, during our walks, for him to experience the 1.2 miles of freedom, he must temporarily put on his restriction. Like, we got to walk a block, and we have to put this on to walk that block. Um, it's for his safety. He has no idea what cars are. Like, literally, he'll just run. He has no idea what a pit bull is. Like, he'll try to attack it or something. Like, for his safety, we have to put this on. 
and he wears this. Also, he, he loves to walk. One of the things we do is we go under the gazebos, and at Bittersweet Park, the gazebos are rented out, you know, for graduation parties or quinceaneras or whatever, and we had a big one yesterday. So that means there's tons of like leftovers, deposits on the ground, pieces of cake, who knows what you're gonna find. And so he loves walking through the gazebos, and I don't know why he likes to try to eat the eggshells. It doesn't make any sense to me why he wants to prolong this walk and try to eat the, the eggshells when at home he has a $30 dog, uh, bag of dog food. I'm like, listen, bro, if you're going to eat eggshells, I'll just buy those for you. Like, okay, here we are. So as long as he stays close to me and as long as he puts on these little, his little restriction, we get to the park and we have freedom. We get to go and we get to have fun. He could eat eggshells or he could feast on what I've already bought for him at home, but the key is he needs to stay close to me. I tell you this simple, crazy little thing because I think this has to do with our passage today. Like our passage today, Acts chapter 16, verses 35 through 40, is the story of Paul and Silas. And this reminds me to stay focused on Jesus and to trust his, you ready for a fancy word? Trust his sanctification in my life. Trust the hard things that I'm going through in my life, that God's actually making me more like him, even through the hard situations and the hard things that I go through. Go through. Listen, bottom line, Jesus is for me. Do you know that? Jesus is for you, and I can trust him. We can trust Jesus. He's leading us to ultimate freedom, and we can trust him even in the hard times. So let's look at Acts chapter 16, verses 35 through 40. I'm going to read through it, and then I think God's got some pretty cool key moments for us. Verse 35. When it was daylight, the magistrate sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrate have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. Verse 37. But Paul said to the officials, or to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and they threw us into prison. And now, do they want to get rid of us quietly? No! Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrate, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met the brothers and sisters and encouraged them, and then they left. If you're just now jumping into the middle of the story, Jeremy did a great job last week, and we've been leading up to the story where Paul and Silas, because um, they arrested, they got arrested because a mob of people uh, came after them because they had just set a demon-possessed girl free. That sounds like a good reason to go after someone and have them arrested, right? No! Like, they just set this girl free, and this mob starts to go against them and gets them arrested. This happened just a chapter before. And then, last week, you can see in the passage, just a few verses before this, that Paul and Silas, what are they doing in jail? They're singing in prison. They're singing in prison, and an earthquake comes, and it rattles the door open, and they stay there. The, the guard knows that if, if these prisoners are gone, it's his life. So he's about to take his life. And Paul and Silas say, whoa, whoa, we're still here. And he's shocked because the door's open and they could have went to their freedom. But Paul and Silas are there. 
And ultimately, the jailer and his whole household follow God and end up serving God that night. And all I gotta say with the previous passages is what a good night, right? Like, I bet they were tired the next morning. That's a lot to experience in one night. And then we get to these verses right here where it started when it was daylight. So this is where the passage picks up. I like verse 35 and 36. Um, When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the orders, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrate have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. The best I can figure is the magistrate during this time figures a beating with rods because the the officers, their actual title is rod carriers or rod beaters. So officers, that's kind of the meaning of that word and where it comes from. So the best the magistrates can figure at this time is that a good beating with uh, with the rods and a knight shackled in prison was enough and adequate punishment. And so the next morning, he shows up and says, okay, I've made my point. Don't mess with me because I'm the ruler of this land. I've beat you with rods. You've stayed shackled. You understand? Now it's time for you to go the next morning because I'm the man. It's the best I can figure. That's 35 and verse 36. We get to verse 37. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens. That's where, if you're you're doing the funky beat, the record scratches. The magistrate had no idea. Don't worry, that's going to play in a little later. I'm just getting us in the hip-hop scene, okay? You ready? That's going to play in a little later. The magistrate, they had no idea. When Paul and Silas says, we are Roman citizens, and and the scripture continues and says, and they threw us into prison, and now they want us to get, they want to get rid of us quietly? Uh Uh-uh, no way. We ain't having it like this. Let them come themselves and escort us out. In verse 37, when Paul and Silas declare, we are Roman citizen, they are declaring who they are. This is big. It reminds me of Jesus multiple times in Scripture. And you can just kind of go through the Rolodex of your, of your stories of Jesus in Scripture. Here's a few that I can think of. They ask Jesus, are you the Son of God? And Jesus answers, I am. In Luke 20, 70, he declares who he is. Listen, when the jailer, the condemner, the carrier of rods makes accusations against you, and accusations against me and tries to tell you that you're not worthy, remind him and remind the world of who you are. That's really good. That's like really fantastic. Remind the world of God's greatness. Jesus does it. They say, who are you? He says, I am. I am the son of God. We can see multiple times, Paul and Silas right here, even though they're saying we're Roman citizens, like they were just in prison and the magistrate comes and, they do, and, and Paul and Silas remind them of who we are. We are Roman citizens. Listen, Christian, listen up. Do not play small. I am a Roman citizen is what Paul and Silas can declare. What do we get to declare as followers of Christ? I am a child of God. Amen? Amen. I am an heir of God Almighty. That's a declaration. 
It's not asking, it's not permission, it's a declaration. I am a child of God Almighty and we declare over our lives as followers of God that the Father is my King. The King is my Father. I think we need to bounce, I think we need to sit in this for a little bit. Because it's easy just to bypass that and go, I'm a Christian. Okay, good. What does that mean? What declarations are you saying and speaking over your life? Okay, Romans 5, 17. Let's just sit in this for a little bit. Romans 5, 17. I received an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. I reign in life through Jesus Christ. Do you declare that? We're going to have to a little bit, we're gonna have to get a little bit more here. Do you declare that over your life? I walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all respects. I bear fruit in every good work, and I am increasing in the knowledge of God, Colossians 1.10. Amen? Amen? I am being strengthened with all power according to his might. I have great endurance and patience, Colossians 1.11. Amen? Amen? God has not given me a spirit of fear. He gives me power love and self-discipline, 2 Timothy 1, 7, amen? amen? I am God's servant, and he takes pleasure in my prosperity, Psalms chapter 35, verse 27, amen? amen? I prosper in all things, I remain in health just as my soul prospers, 3 John 1, 3, amen? I experience all blessings as I obey the Lord my God. Deuteronomy 28, chapter, or verse 2. Amen. Like these are the promises that we declare over our life. Let's get the, let's get the sexiest man in church project up here. Miguel, where are you at, man? Miguel, get up here, bro. That's you, John. Yes, yeah, yeah, sexiest man in church project. You should have been jumping up. Huh? Miguel, Miguel, Miguel. Is that better? That's the last name. Huh? That's my last name. Okay. Can you drop us a beat? Sure. What kind of beat? Give us a funky beat, man. Mm, mm, mm. I told you it's coming. Yeah, I don't mean to embarrass you. <coughs> you got to turn your hat sideways, man. Hat sideways. Jared, where's your cowboy hat? I would love to see you try to put that on sideways. Like, there you go. Okay, come on, Johnny. <coughs> you can't be that. You can't be that loud, though. You got bring it down. You got bring it down a little bit, cause I got to rap over the top of this, man. It's pretty sick. This beat that I got. It's about as long as I got. You ready? Oh, uh, yeah. Stop playing small. Declare to all that you've answered the call. Living life is a ball. Let me try that again. That's all I got, but I got to hit it on the beat. I was about to go, John. Okay, come on. Okay. Ready? Here I go. Ready? Stop playing small. Declare to all that you've answered the call. Life is living a ball. Okay, well, that's all I got, dude. That's it, man. Yeah. I guess I'm not Eminem. Like, man, that was, that, in my head, that was so good. Like, you get it, you get it. Like, hey, stop playing small. Man, declare to all that you've answered the call. Living life is a ball. I kept messing up that last line, but you get it. Like, 
Okay, you, could, you put your hat back straight. Both of you, you're like, I ain't doing this. Okay. Seriously, like they declared who they are. We make, that, that's what happened right there. They declare who they are. They say we are Roman citizens and we have so much more that we can declare. Like we're a follower of a king. It doesn't do us anyone any good in the entire world for us to play small. No, we stand up and we declare who we are. Also, see what they do. They, they declare who they are, but not only that, they make their demands, and we make our demands. Jesus made demands. Like, I've, I've come to set the captives free. Demand. I'm making demands. He says why he's here and what his purpose is. We also see Jesus passionately. What does he do? He goes into the temple court and flips over tables. He's like, I'm making demands. My life is on purpose. I'm living with passion. We see Jesus multiple times speaking to demons, come out of her, come out of them. Like he makes demands. Church, oh, church, listen. We've already been given authority over heaven and earth. We've already been given this authority. What are your demands? And if demands are too strong of a word for you, then okay. Let's back it up, make it a little more palatable. What are you declaring? What are the declarations over your life? Declaring who we are and declaring why we're here on the earth. Like, what do you declare over sin? What do you declare over, what do you declare as sons and daughters of a king? What are you declaring? What do you declare over your lives and how you live your life? What do you declare over injustice when you see injustice? What do you declare in the classroom? What do you declare as you're walking down the streets of our town? What do you declare in your office cubicles? What do you declare over your kids? What do you declare over your family? What do you declare over this earth? It all starts remembering who we are and then making declarations. We just are not going to sit back and watch hell and Satan have his way in this world. We have way too much to declare. All power and authority has already been given to us. So Paul and Silas in our story, their demands or their declarations, they, they, did, they did not get lost in the short-term gratification. Did you notice that? I did because I, I like short-term gratification, like right now. They could have got lost in the short-term gratification. If it were me and I was in this story, I would leave the moment they said leave, I would leave celebrating that, no one, that knowing that I was set free. And that the jailer the night before came to know Christ and the whole family, his whole household came to know Christ. I would be like, yeah, Jesus is victory. And that's true. But notice how they didn't get lost in just the short-term gratification. They knew what they were there for. And they were there to not only know who they are, but to declare greatness over this moment. So Paul and Silas also took into consideration the long-term effects of their actions. I think they paused long enough to know what the Holy Spirit was doing. They were paying attention. Because by demanding the magistrate to come and escort them out of prison, personally, they said, we ain't going nowhere until you come down here. Escort us out personally. It makes a loud statement to that town and that community and paves the path for future missionaries in Philippi. 
They sat on it long enough to know what God was doing. Let's go to verse 38, because rapping took longer than I thought. It was good. If you recorded that, I'll, don't distribute it without my permission. Okay, <laughs> verse 38, the officers reported this to the magistrate, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escort them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. We see in verse 38 and 39, uh, Matthew Henry is a great old commentarian that I read a lot. I, I love what he writes, and what he says here is, Roman historians give instances of cities that had their, their charters taken from them um, from, from stuff that they had done against Roman citizens. And so to be a magistrate and to go against Rome, you can even have your charter taken away from you and you no longer are leading this city that you're in charge of. If you go against the Roman citizen, it's a big deal. Beating a Roman citizen was a serious offense. Remember when, when we can back up a few chapters and, and, I, and I said, listen, hey, we're gonna see in a little bit how important it is that Paul's a Roman citizen and he goes this way and the other missionary journey goes this way. Like God knew that this was gonna go down and he needed Roman citizens to be here in this place to make a loud statement and to pave the way for other missionaries to come because beating a Roman citizen was a serious offense. Throwing a Roman citizen in jail without a trial was a huge, huge problem. The magistrate did not want Rome itself, sorry, itself to come down on him. And by beating and imprisoning a Roman citizen, he was scared to death. We have a cute thing in American um, politics, and you probably know it, and it says this, separation of church and state. Familiar with that? Separation of church and state, and this first came about from Thomas Jefferson to clarify, um, and this is what separation of church and state, he says, Congress shall make no law res um, respecting on establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise there, there, um, thereof. So it initially came to protect religious freedom for the citizens of America, and in a sense, it's what it's still there for. When I grew up, though, thinking of separation of church and state, and often when we hear this now, we think, how do we keep God out of this? Don't ever bring God in here. Separation of church and state, which is different than the original meaning that it was put there for. May I suggest, as Christians, our calling is to move about our state our places and spaces that we move about every day, our homes, our workplaces, the grocery store, our state, okay? May I suggest that as Christians, it's our calling to move about our state as we declare God the king and ruler through our, our kindness, through our kind words, through our graciousness, and sometimes through our bold words and bold actions. Our job is to love God and to love others as we declare who we are and we declare our intentions in the world. And we trust God and his spirit to move in our lives as we push back the gates of hell. Like this is an amazing calling. Um, I wanna pause right now in the message just to say, um, we have ministry partnerships in, in Church Project. That, that we love and, and we love to support financially and we love to support relationally. Um, they go to the states 
They go to the places and spaces that we can't go, and they declare Jesus over those spaces, and one of those partnerships is with Crew, with, um, with Josh, and, and, oh my gosh, Marissa, I'm looking at you going, I blanked on your name, that's terrible. So Josh and Marissa, so I want to call up Ryan and um, Josh and Marissa so we can talk about crew for a little bit. So if you will, give them a round of applause. Thank you. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to interview like Bill. I'm going to let them talk and share a little bit about uh, crew, the history of crew, crew and Greeley, and what you guys got coming up and then I'll wrap up. Well, yeah, so I'm Marissa. I'm one of the team leaders at Crew at UNC. This is my co-leader. And I'm Josh. Uh, I'm married to Julie sitting there. Um, we have a few kids in kids care that run around, little blonde haired girls afterwards. So um, I've been here for four years at UNC, been on staff for 12. You are? I've been at UNC for six years and I've been on staff for 10. Yeah. But I graduated from UNC, so I am a bear. Woo woo. So. Um, if you're not familiar with Crew, uh, we are a, a caring community passionate about connecting people to Jesus. Uh, we do that in a lot of different ways in a lot of different countries all over the world. Um, what we do is on our campus here at UNC. And on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, what you would find us doing to help make Jesus known, connecting people to Jesus, is the words that we would say is winning, building, and sending. Um, in maybe some more normal terms, winning is, is evangelism. It's going and trying to reach out and connecting people to Jesus actively. Building is discipleship, helping people grow in their relationship with God and helping people uh, grow in their ability to connect others to God. And sending is missions, is, is going to the places where, where Jesus is not. Um, I mean, even if, if you took all the students that were involved in all the different Christian ministries uh, at our campus, maybe if you threw in some of the, the students that go to the churches in town, um, it's probably like 5% of our total campus population. It's only five. Um, and God is doing some incredible stuff uh, through the students that we know in their lives, and it's awesome. And so God is raising up this generation of students that is going to go claim the state back. I mean, it's getting harder and harder for us to do this on our campus, but God is moving and changing lives. And you are going to share about one of the students that has seen some significant life change. Yeah, so a few years ago, I met a girl named Kiyu on campus, Um, and Kiyu had been kind of being prepared by the Lord for about a year. She had a friend that was intentional in sharing the gospel with her and kind of warming her up to the idea of uh, surrendering her life to the Lord, but she hadn't done it yet. And the year or the summer after her freshman year, she went home to Hawaii And during that time, um, she found out that her dad had terminal cancer, and he passed away in that short span of her being home for the summer. And she came back to school, and I got to meet her the very first week of school. And she came to our crew community group, which is like a Bible study, and shared some really vulnerable things. And then I got to meet one-on-one with her and share the gospel with her. Um, And when I shared the gospel with her, she was just so ready. Um, And with tears in her eyes, she just fought through those tears to pray a prayer of surrender. And it was the most beautiful surrender I think that I've ever seen um, in my time on staff. And since then, she has just grown tremendously. Toward the end of that year, she filmed a video for us about her story. 
And at the end of the video, she says, if I've learned one thing, it's that I was made to glorify God and um, to live in life entrusted to him. And she's done just that. She has been faithful her to, to her growth, um, her personal growth in regular discipleship. She's gone to conferences and retreats and just dug in. Um, and this past summer, she went on a summer mission with crew and has been impactful in sharing her faith and seeing God use her in that way. Um, and I just, like, look at her life and see the way that she trusts the Spirit, see the way that she, um, yeah, has really entrusted her life to him that there are hard things. There are things like trusting him for her finances, things about trusting him for hard relationships. And she has surrendered those things wholeheartedly to him and is willing to walk with him in that way. And I just, I look at um, the, there's a quote that Bill Bright, our, um, our founder said, and he said, if you reach the campus today, you'll reach the world tomorrow. And I just really believe that because these students are going to change the world. They're going to change the schools where they're teaching. They're going to change the businesses that they're leading. And so we're just excited about what we get to do on campus and excited about what our students are doing as a result of um, yeah, their involvement and in getting to, to lead in the ways that they get to lead. Yeah. And so we would love to invite you guys to partner with us to help God build his kingdom on UNC's campus. Um, and there's a few ways that you guys could do that. One is just to pray. Uh, we really do need power. There's a very real spiritual battle going on for the hearts and minds of these students. And so we would love you to pray with us. Um, all of our staff send out monthly prayer letters. If you'd like to get some updates on those to know how you can be advancing God's kingdom through prayer, please let us know. We'd love that. Um, the second thing that we would love for you guys to do is to relationally engage with the students that come to Church Project. I think, could you guys raise your hand if you are a student here this morning? It's kind of like the student section over there. So um, what I would love for the, this half of the room to do um, is, is meet them, get their names, get their numbers, invite them over for lunch and laundry. Um, I don't know if we're going to do anything as formal as we did last year, like an adopt-a-student thing or not, but, um, but you have so much to offer those students in terms of life and perspective and what it means to walk with God beyond the next couple years. And they have so much to offer you in terms of passion and energy and excitement for God. And so please love on them, encourage them, engage with them. Um, the last thing that we'd love for you to do, and this is with Ryan and, and Aaron's permission, is we would love to invite you to give um, to help send some students to an event that we got coming up called RMGA or Rocky Mountain Getaway. Um, every year, crew movements all over the state do, it's like a fall retreat kind of thing. And for me, this was the first thing that, the first, what's on the screen? Oh, okay. Um, I, everybody's like smiling. Um, this was the first thing that I, the first Christian thing, really, that I went to after I was cut from the baseball team at University of Illinois. I was a sophomore, and my life was in shambles, and I was just kind of like a, man, I, I guess I'll go. I, I don't have practice, so Sure. You know, I knew one person there, and the thing that's, there's two things that stood out to me so much about this retreat. The first is that all the dudes were playing tackle football, and that was, I was like, cool, like, 
I play tackle football. I'd never really had relationships with Christians that did things that I liked to do. And so I think if I hadn't met some of those guys, I probably would have transferred schools back to Colorado. Like I, I was such in desperate need of friends and that's what that provided for me. The other thing that happened that weekend is I, as I sat there and kind of observed a lot of what was going on, everybody there called themselves a Christian and I called myself a Christian but there was something very, very different between what they were experiencing and what I was experiencing. And I wanted what they had. I really wanted it. And, and so that night, like Saturday night, I stood out by this lake and kind of made a, a decision talking to the Lord. It was very unpolished. It was like, God, I don't know what you're doing in my life. This is as far as I've gotten up to this point. I don't know what this really means, but here's my life. I just want to try it your way now. And I really want to know and experience what all these other students are experiencing. And that really was like the pivot point around which the rest of my life hinged. Like, like I, I'm not, I would not be standing here today if that crew staff guy did not invite me to that retreat and I did not go then. And so I just want to invite you guys to help send some students there. A lot of our students have financial troubles. Just it's a lot of money to pay for college right now. And so uh, we already scholarship every freshman that goes 50 bucks. Um, I want to ask you guys if you would give the other 59 to send a, a freshman to Rocky Mountain Getaway. Um, a second year student or an upperclassman has to pay 109 to go, and we scholarship them already too, right off the top. So we would love for you guys to consider and pray giving 59 to send a freshman, to give 109 to send an upperclassman. Um, if you want to do that, please come talk to us afterwards. You could just write a check and make it out to crew instead of church project. Again, this is with Ryan and Aaron's permission. This is above and beyond what you give to church project already. Uh, but if you dropped in that box, if it says crew on it, it'll come to us. Um, and so, or you can check out that giving page, give.crew.org, and just search for Northern Colorado. Um, I think that is everything that I would have to say. Cool. Uh, real quick, I just want to uh, reiterate a couple things. One is that um, these kids, young people, uh, come to this church, and it would be great for us um, as uh, adults, seemingly, <laughs> um, to, to partner with them and to um, just care for them and love them. Um, I have uh, a college aged son who's going to college, and I would love it if he came to your house and raided your fridge instead of coming to my house and raiding my fridge. Um, the other thing is, I have a friend who's uh, a sociology professor at UNC, and they did a study a couple years ago on the campus, and one of the things that they, uh, when they surveyed students, they found out is that um, college students are desperate for community because they feel lonely and they feel out of place, especially um, students that come from other places besides uh, Greeley or Colorado and they're coming here to, to go to university. And so they feel this disconnect from their normal family and friendship structures that they, they had previously, and then they're alone. But one of the interesting things about this study is that they find it difficult to, to be proactive and go out and, and meet that community. And I know that crew is very proactive about engaging in students, um, going to where they're at and having conversations with them. Uh, when Josh and I were, and Marissa and I were speaking, Josh told me, will you just share the story about the, the guy when you went to knock on his door? <laughs> and this is about, uh, I couldn't do this. Josh did something that, 
kind of blew my mind, but I'll let him tell the story. The, the like, really, the, he, he didn't come back, that, yeah, that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so one, one of the things that we do do is for the first couple days on campus, um, we post up on a couple corners across campus and try to gather as many spiritual interest surveys as we can. There's a couple basic questions like, would you like some information about crew, or would you like some information about how to have a, a personal relationship with God? Um, and so these students will check yes, no, or maybe. And if they check yes or maybe, we'll do our best to go knock on their door and, and follow up. We text them too. The girls are better at texting back. The guys almost never text back. Go figure. Um, so, but we try. And so, so I go to this guy's room. And I knock on the door. His roommate answers. I said, hey, I'm Josh. I'm with crew. We're looking for so-and-so. He's like, yeah, hold on. And he, he shuts the door. And he goes, and I, you hear him go get his roommate. And they come back. And then you hear him talking behind the door. And then nothing. <laughs> and then nothing. And I, I was with, was I with you? I was with you. I was with Malachi there. And so we're like, they have to know that we're still here, right? <laughs> like, so we, should I knock again? Okay. So we knock again. Nothing. They never came back. I was like, like this is like a new low in terms of like social capability of freshman men. But anyway, we were like, we could, we could sit here all day. We could really wait, all, but we didn't. We, <laughs> we decided to move on, and we actually had some great conversations after that. But so, well, the day point, in the life, yeah. Yeah, the point is that crew is proactively going after these students. That when these students feel disconnected, wanting community, feel alone, crew is there and actually not just saying, hey, come to us. They're saying, we're coming to you. And you have a real opportunity as members of Church Project to partner with crew. And I just love that Josh had an experience going to this fall retreat uh, at his university that changed his life. And for $59 or $109 seems like a very small price to pay to change somebody's life. That somebody may engage in the gospel in a way that they've never engaged before and have an opportunity then to change the entire course of their existence here on earth. So I am pleading with you and encouraging you for $59, $109. I would love to see as many kids that want to go on this retreat have the ability to go because we partnered with crew. So um, real quick, I just want to invite anybody uh, who would like to come and pray uh, over Josh and Marissa with me, and uh, that means getting up out of your chair and coming forward and praying uh, as uh, we come beside them, come behind them, encourage them, and love them. Anybody? All right. Kendall, thank you. Aaron, thank you. Lord God, I just thank you so much for crew and for what they're doing on UNC's campus and around the world. God, I thank you for all the summer missions, God, as they, they came to a close. God, that those kids would still be fired up and still be ready to, to lead um, people to you, God, and use all the skills that they have um, acquired over the summer to just continue moving on their campuses in, in more long-term um, 
abilities. God, I just thank you so much for what uh, the leaders are doing. I pray for um, stamina. I pray for wisdom. And I pray for deep, deep relationships with you, God, that they would be being filled by you um, so that they would have an unlimited outpouring to, to love on these kids, um, whether they shut the doors in their faces or not, God. And I just pray that they would just be able to move forward in, um, in wisdom and power and strength, God, because that's who you created them to be because they're your children. Thanks, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. Thank you, church. 59-109. Make it out to crew. Thank you. It was previously 79 and 129, so it's been slashed, so that's good. <laughs> um, I want to return just back to this passage really quick for one final point, because you see Paul and Silas in jail. You see what's happening. You see them declaring who they are. You see them declaring their intentions. And then what do you see once they're set free? Verse 40, we see um, they go straight to Lydia's house. We need community. They go straight to a house where there's brothers and sisters, and as you end your day, your prison sentence, whatever you're doing, where do you go? Where do you go when you're going through hard times? We see Paul and Silas beaten with rods and imprisoned overnight, and the first place they go is to Lydia's house for community. Um, if you're a house church pastor, would you please stand, because John Miguel is going to come drop a beat for you. I'm, uh, no, we won't drop a beat. But here, here are our house church pastors and homes, and I would encourage everyone in this room, and call, including college students, if your schedule permits, to go to one of these house churches. I think God has incredible things that's gonna, that he's gonna do with us in community and house church in this season. And so I'd encourage everyone in this room to just find one of these individuals or go to our website um, because God is entering us into relationships as we go about our daily life. And so thank you men and women for serving us in the, in the capacity that you do. Church, would you uh, applaud them here? <clears throat> Um, I, 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 know it's, I know it's silly, and it's a terrible illustration that you can pick off but, or pick apart, but I seriously think God's just holding this open for all of us right now. It's like, listen, do you trust me? Like, do you know who you are? Because we're confined in this house, and a block away is Bittersweet Park, 1.2 miles of freedom. Like, all you have to do is, is put your head in here. Trust me. Trust me that there's going to be great things in the gazebo that you're going to want to eat, but man, I've got a bag of expensive dog food here that, that I want to give you. Like, I want to show you who you are. I want to take you to places that you've never been. I want to set you free if you just trust me. And it's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. And at times, you're going to find yourself beaten, falsely accused, and thrown in prison but I'm gonna break free. I'm gonna break you out, and we're gonna experience some incredible things in life. So I'd encourage us, all of us in this room, like, are you willing to put your head through a dog collar? No. Whatever sounds elaborate in your head for that dumb illustration, I ask you that question. Like, are you finding your identity in Jesus Christ as he whispers and shouts and declares who you are, and we get to declare to a world that's missing? That's good. I, I think the best way to end today, Jeremy, I hope you're okay with this, but we won't have you guys come up. Is that okay? He's like, my finger's broken. Thank you. Um, 
I think the best thing to do right now is literally declare over you and to ask, are you willing to surrender your life to Christ? You know, there's some really cool things that we can do on the back. There's these cards, you can fill it out and say, I wanna talk to someone about starting a relationship with Christ. Um, I'm here, our house church pastors are here, people love you here. And so I wanna declare um, Deuteronomy chapter 28 over everyone before we dismiss. And so would you just stand and receive this blessing, okay? It's, it's rather long because I think God's got a lot to say about who we are. And so I wanna declare Deuteronomy chapter 28. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your baskets and your kneading troughs will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies will rise up against you, will be defeated before you. They will come out, um, they will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and everything you put to your hand to, your hand to. The Lord, your God, will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will establish you as the holy people, as he promised on you in an oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and a walk in obedience to him. This is our declaration. Oh, but I wanted to end. That's only half. Can we go? Let's keep going. In verse 10 of Deuteronomy 28 says, Then all the peoples on the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your ground, in the land that he swore to your ancestors to give to you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounties, to send a rain on your land in season and to bless all the works of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you to this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. This is what God declares over his children, the people that love him and serve him. Church, it's so awesome doing life together with you. Let's do it together with each other. The charge today from us as old adults, I guess, is to support a college student, and I would give now a charge to the college students. You see us, we're old, but we're really good looking, <laughs> most of us. It might take you instigating, it might take you looking at an adult in this room and just saying, can I come do laundry or have lunch at your house or can we get a coffee? And so I put onus on college students as well to seek out us adults because we're scared of you. You literally scare us and we want to do life together. So um, with that, church, it was a blessing. We'll see you at house church. Please put away your chairs as you, as you leave. If you have a kid in Project Kids, give those volunteers a high five because you saw how many people are here. Um, and then also have a great week. We'll see you next week.